I'm doing a series called You Are Wonderful. You know why you are wonderful? Because the God of wonder has created you and filled you with himself. So you are wonderful because the God of wonder has filled you with himself. You can't celebrate motherhood without acknowledging the fact that life had to be reproduced. Life is reproduced in the womb of a woman. God allowed you to have room to nurture one of the most precious things. I've had many things in my life. I've traveled to many places, experienced many things. Nothing comes close to the joy, for me anyway, nothing comes close to the joy of being a parent, being a dad. Even now that my kids are grown up, when they were little, they were little nuisances. When they're big, they have the potential at times to be bigger nuisances. And you know, there's nothing I enjoy more than being with them. Yeah. Yeah. And God gave you women the honor of having room in your womb to be able to carry life. Last week I talked about how recently science, just in the last five years, through modern technology, we're able to actually video when the sperm enters an egg. And I told you that billions of atoms of zinc are released. And at the moment of fertilization, when 27, uh, 23 chromosomes from the female egg and 23 chromosomes from the male egg come together, one new human being is created. You can call it women's rights, but you're wrong. Every woman comes to the party with 23 chromosomes. Let's not talk religion. Let's talk science. Uh, and if we're going to talk science, let's not talk nonsense. The truth is, scientifically, 23 chromosomes are provided by the woman. And 23 chromosomes by itself will not make a human being. 23 chromosomes come from the male seed, the sperm. And 23 chromosomes by itself will not make a human. But when the two become one, there is a new one. It is your body while it's an unfertilized egg. But instantly, when it draws on 23 chromosomes from both parental beings it immediately goes through a calculation and it reformats those 46 chromosomes and pulls certain parts of information from each 
to create a human being that is so unique that it will never ever be repeated again in the future and it has never ever existed in the past. There is only one you. And for the, <laughs> for the misnomer that is just a piece of a woman's body, one cell from that very first zygote will never match the DNA of any cell anywhere inside the body of that mother. This is human rights. Human rights. Did you know that at 20 weeks in that fetus, it's already been decided if it's male or female, and at 20 weeks, that little fetus already has six to seven million eggs inside of it. So what that actually means is every one of you here today, you existed in some form in your mother's mother's womb. That's right. I will. I'll say it again. A fetus at 20 weeks, its sex is already determined and its full reproductive capabilities are already there. And that little fetus at 20 weeks already has six to seven million eggs. They say abortion is a woman's right. What about the 50% that are in the womb? Because if they have reproductive ability, they is woman. Are you hearing me? The world lies to you. They lie. You could get upset about who said fake news, but forget who said it. There's a lot of fake news out there. Only the Word of God always speaks the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And on this truth, we need to stand. Any other foundation will collapse under you. Build your children, build your house, build your marriage on this truth. I want to show you the spark of life. Scientists have finally realized where the spark of life is. They said, where, did, where does life begin? Where's that spark of life? We're going to dim the lights and I'm going to show you what they discovered five years ago. And the moment a sperm enters an egg and 46 chromosomes come together in a unique pattern that has never been and will never be repeated, that egg, which is now a zygote because the two became one, I don't know how this ever becomes about individual rights. The two became one, and light immediately emanates. Here we go.
Praise God. Amen. Can you throw up uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 9. I read this to you last week, and I'm going to read it again. And I know it's not in my notes, and I've just pulled a fast one on you. Thank you. Talking about Jesus, that was the true light. Notice it's a capital L. And if you read this whole chapter, every time it talks about Jesus and calls him the light, it's capital L. That was the true light, Jesus, which gives light, little l, to every man, or in the Greek, every human being coming into the world. Praise God. Ladies, you're incredible. You are unique. Yeah. You are unique. I said last week that in every one of your cells, in every cell in your body is what science calls a genome. What's a genome? It is the collection of all the DNA that makes you. So in other words, in every cell is the complete information manual to make you. And they say that you have um, in excess of 37 trillion cells in your body. Who more, who less, you get the drift. Okay, that was part of my humor, but... <laughs> who more, who less, 37 trillion cells. And they say that if you were to take the DNA that is in every cell, and every cell, one little follicle, one little cell, has all the information that makes Dominic. That's how unique you are. Even more unique than your fingerprint. Okay? And you take every one of those cells and pull out all the DNA. There is enough DNA in terms of length they say that if you uncoil all the DNA in a cell, all that information, it would stand six feet tall. And if you take that DNA information from the 37 trillion cells that make up a human being, you could go from the sun to Pluto and back again, a round trip, 17 times. David wrote in the Psalms, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and you have wrote of me in your book. Before you were born, God created you women, and he designed each one of you uniquely, and he wrote a manual, a genome, about what you would look like, and then he wrote another whole volume about your life. Thank God he sent Jesus Christ to be inserted in the middle of our lives so that everything that, we've, that has ever gone wrong can come right in Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? I'm going to close with rectifying something that's often preached and read somewhat out of context. We've all heard the scripture in Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies and the heart of her husband safely trusts in her. 
I want to bring that into a whole new perspective because actually this whole proverb starts from motherhood. So if we were to turn to Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1 to 9. Yeah, I don't think that was in Proverbs. There you go. Uh, Proverbs 31, verse 1 to 9. The words of King Lemuel. Who is King Lemuel? This is the last uh, chapter of uh, the book of uh, Proverbs. And uh, it is believed, widely believed, that Lemuel is actually uh, King Solomon. And that this was his mother's pet name for him. So, as you read this proverb, it starts with King Solomon reflecting on things his mother said and did. Watch this. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. All of Proverbs 31 comes from Solomon reflecting on his mother and her life as a mother. It goes on and it says, What, my son? And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows? Verse 3. Do not give your strength to women. Now, what it means in the, in the Hebrew, that word strength, energy, wealth, what she's saying is, don't be frivolous and go chasing women and use them and abuse them, wind them and dine them for your pleasure. She's teaching her son respect. She's teaching him to show honor. She's giving validation to life, not just to womanhood, but to life, because she's teaching him to be a man. I got news for you. This stuff should be taught in our homes, and I make no apology about teaching this stuff in the house of God. Because you all are priests of your home, and this is where the coach teaches the priests what to say. And how to teach it. And so we just hand it down. And so she's teaching her son. Verse 4. Nor give your ways to those things which will destroy kings. She's prepping her son to be a king. Every one of you should be prepping your children to be leaders in society. You are sons of God. Don't expect that your child will just find a place in society. Fill them with faith. Fill them with confidence. Fill them with destiny. And let them know that they're not going to just find a place in life. There is the place that they and only they can fulfill. They have a destiny from heaven. Fill them with the understanding that they are meant to be the head and not the tail. Fill them with an understanding that the creator of this universe took time to think about them as an individual. Fill them with importance. Fill them with validation. Solomon, maybe years after his mom passed on, is thinking about and reflecting her motherhood to him and how she prepared him to be a king. And every one of us, moms or dads, should be preparing our kids to be kings and priests because that's what God has called us to be. 
verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for princes to have intoxicating drink. Let's keep moving. Verse 5. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. She's training this young boy to be a world leader. Are you training your kids just to get a job? Our American way is to get our kids an education so that they could have a job, so that they can make a living. The Bible way is to train your kids in the Word of God so that they'll know their, distant, their destiny, so that they could make a life and be leaders in the world. I don't understand why we listen to the world so much when the world will devalue who you are and the position you're meant to play in this universe. If you really understand the Word of God, nothing will lift you up or exalt you or empower you more than the truth of God's Word. Amen. And here she is, she's talking to her son and then if we were to skip down to uh, verse 10, it switches at verse 10. And now Solomon, rather than reflecting about his mother's words to him, he reflects about who his mother was. As a little boy, he's saying, these are the things she would say to me. This is, say to me. These are the things she would tell me. This is the conversations she would have with me. And you could follow the poetic flow. Now it switches. And in verse 10, he's thinking about his mother. And he says, who can find a virtuous wife? He's thinking about how she was to his dad and how she was to him. And how she conducted herself in the house. Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. Wow. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. Verse 11. The heart of her husband. And he's thinking of the role between his dad, King David, and his mother, Bathsheba. Let's stop. Too often in the church, pastors are afraid to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about sin. Do you understand that Bathsheba represents one of the most broken times of King David's life? He lusted after a woman who was given and married to another man. And from the roof of his palace, he would watch her yeah, like a peeping Tom. Look, let's, let's stop hiding sin. We're all guilty of sin. And we, we all can go to low extremes. And I love the fact that the Bible doesn't hide this stuff. Because God understands most of us are like the rest of us. And we're all broken. Without the love and the grace of God, we all deviate to different areas of, uh, of life that shows how broken humanity can be. But what I want you to see here is while the Bible's not afraid of talking about failure or sin, some preachers won't even use the word sin anymore. And they won't use the word repent. 
How can you ever come to righteousness unless you know you were lost and in darkness? And so here, here's this young man, and his mother and father started a union out of sin and out of murder. What a conspiracy. And what I love about this story, folks, is that God could take some of the most self-centered, horrendous messes and he can turn them into stories of beauty. And so I will at times address sin because I know the beautiful story God can make when we recognize our sin, turn from our sin, and give it over to him. He can write a masterpiece. Absolutely. We don't talk about sin to condemn. We talk about sin to set people free into their destiny in God. And so in the rest of this proverb, uh, if we skip down to verse 25, and it's just several verses here and we end. In verse 25, as Solomon is thinking about his mother and the relationship she had with him, the relationship she had with his dad, he says, strength and honor are her clothing. Not Gucci or... <laughs> strength and honor are her clothing this, this man is remembering a woman who obviously held high esteem in his imagination strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come verse 26 she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Wow. He's talking about his mother, who was the wife of his father. But I read that and I think, goodness, I want to emulate that as a dad. And I want my kids one day to be able to say, kindness was always on my father's tongue. I don't mind, and, and, and truth be told, they'll acknowledge, yeah, dad got angry sometimes. Yeah, sometimes people would press his buttons and, you know, he'd lose it for a moment, but dad would always come back and respond with the grace of God Amen. and the love of God. Because I'll be the first one to tell you, behind the scenes, yeah, I could get upset. I can get angry. I could get downright hurt and downright want to pat someone on the head with a very thick Bible. <laughs> but it's how we respond after those moments. And God watches. And he's talking of his mother, and he says she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Wow, I love that, the law of kindness. That's mercy, that's grace, that's faithfulness, that's understanding. Do you know that kindness comes out of understanding? Here, kindness comes out of understanding. When I really understand you, rather than just take offense at you, and I don't know you, right? So I'm not taking offense at you. I'm just, you made the mistake of sitting in the front and on the edge seat. Good girl. But... <laughs> kindness comes from understanding. I show kindness when I look at another person and I see everything they've been through and even if I don't know it, 
I can assume, you know what? They've been through hardships like I've been through hardships. And instead of retaliation, kindness comes. And here's a young king reflecting on his mother. Moms, women. Whether you're a wife, whether you're a mother, or you're just a woman. God designed this position. And he designed it to be lived with elegance, with respect, with nobility. And as daughters of the king, you are princesses. And if the gender thing bothers you, in Christ, in God's eyes, it's not about male or female. In the world, women have to fight for equal rights because we screw up everything. But in God's economy, he doesn't see us through gender. He sees us as his loved children. Isn't that good? And I'm not trying to blur the lines of gender either. Male is male and female is female. Don't misread what I'm saying. The message doesn't change. Let's look at the next verse. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Every one of you, call your mother blessed today. Even if in your mind the only reason why she's blessed is because she has you. <laughs> call her blessed. You see, I love the language of the Bible because it, it gives honor. It gives respect. It validates people. The laws of love are intertwined throughout Genesis to Revelation. And God is always misrepresented at what he's trying to say. The devil perverts through religious minds and religious tongues. God gives honor and God gives dignity and God gives respect. But God will always speak the truth in love. Can I get an agreement? Her children rise up, call her blessed husband also, and he praises her. Men, whether your wife is a mother or not, understand the ways of God. Because if you're going to be a son of God, then you must represent who God is and do as God does. Give praise, give honor, give validation, give recognition, give respect. The world gets ugly when we look at the world through the perspective of self. And when we're first and what we want is the all-consuming thing, that's where humanity falls apart. It's the beginning of sin. And that's why God should be first. And then you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in all of this is the fulfillment of the prophets and the law. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's stand. God is good. Amen. 
I want to encourage a philosophy of honor and respect. I want to encourage a philosophy of, even if you'd never heard it, even if it was never said to you or done to you, let's create a culture first of understanding. But as we usually... (laughs) Out of understanding comes patience. Out of understanding comes mercy. Out of understanding comes grace. I love the fact that this creator of galaxies understands the individual person that I am. Out of understanding comes respect. Out of understanding comes appreciation. Out of understanding comes honor. And if we are going to be sons and daughters of this God, then we should honor, love, and respect everyone around us. Father, I thank you I love your word. I love that you love us. And I love that I get to do this. And I pray, Dad, that I'll always be fit to represent you and to share your word in the balance and the truth and the beauty of its completeness. And that I'll always not just be able to tell people how wonderful you are, but to show them. Help us, Holy Spirit. We invite you. Church, do you want the Holy Spirit to help you reflect God? Then, Holy Spirit, you just heard this interactive prayer. We want you and we invite you to work in us and through us so that we will reflect the beauty and the greatness of our Father. Change us. Help us. Live in us. Live through us. I thank you that God you have already put all the seeds of who you are in us. Not that we will ever be God, but the seed to be like you is in us. And I thank you. We are complete In Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. Meaning, everything that is in you is in Jesus. And everything that is in Jesus is potentially in us. Now let us, by faith, pull on all of the vast greatness of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now one more thing. Hey, friend, I don't know what got you here today. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not selling religion. I'm bringing people to God. And the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. And I know we're already living in a culture where that statement would be called hate speech. Isn't it amazing? That statement's preceded by the fact that God so loved the whole world. 
But there is only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. And if you've never gone beyond religion, if you don't understand the, the euphoria and why people are so excited and why they worship, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then together with it being Mother's Day, why don't you make it your day? Make it the day where you come into relationship with God on a personal level. And all we have to do to do that is to acknowledge I'm broken and I need somebody who can fix me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus Christ has come to heal us, to put us back together, and to restore us into the destiny that God had. Every eye closed. If you've never done that, you really do need to do that right now. You could put it off, but it's amazing how the things we put off are often the things we never do. This is the most important thing in all of life. It is the most. So if I'm talking to you, if the Spirit of God is talking to you, just quickly put your hand up. Come on. Put your hand up and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I want this relationship. Up the back there, thank you. A hand, thank you so much. Who else? Raise your hand and say, I want to accept Christ. Just keep your hand up for a moment longer. Those of you that have raised your hand, just put your hand up. Awesome. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me, especially those of you that have raised your hand this morning. Repeat this simple prayer. Jesus said, we've got to become like little kids. So he didn't make it hard. Yes, an honest, simple prayer conversation will bring you into a real relationship with God. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't want degrees or years of education, just honest talk. You won't get anyone more real than God. So let's close our eyes and we're going to pray. God, I sense your presence. Something's pulling up my heart. I realize I'm broken. I've sinned. I've made a lot of mistakes. Jesus Christ, I invite you. I need you. I want you. Come into my life today and live in me and live through me. I accept that I need you. And without you, I can't have a relationship with God. But I also accept today, my sins are forgiven. Today, the devil doesn't own me anymore. Today, you are hearing my prayer. And today, in this simplistic way, I have just become a child of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.